are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a Sunday night draft week edition of the Lockdown Blazers podcast. I'm Eric Garcia Gunderson, and today I am joined for the second year in a row. My friend Chad uh, really loves the draft. I love talking draft with him, love talking prospects, especially with the Blazers. And so we're going to talk about that. What's up, Chad? How you doing? What's going on, man? Good to be here. Second, second annual Lockdown Blazers draft plan. Yeah, this is this is this is becoming a you know this is becoming a tradition here on the Lockdown Blazers podcast. Those of you who were with us last year uh, should remember this. Uh, this is where last year uh, you on this podcast advocated for one player that would have ended up being and you you and Damian Lillard had this in common. Uh, you both wanted Donovan Mitchell. I did. Yes. That was Dame's guy. I think you and I kind of agreed that, um, you know, he was, he was a guy that we could look at as someone who was stocky, could play um, on the ball, off the ball, could create his own offense, guard multiple positions. And um, obviously I'm not going to call myself some Oracle. I don't think anybody saw him being as good as he was this year, but uh, he was certainly the guy we thought we were trading up at 10 to get him and it didn't work out that way. So hopefully we'll, uh, you know, can make up for that this year. Well, uh, I mean, we, we did, I will say, um, you know, for us being so pro Donovan Mitchell, I do have to say that Collins, uh, is look, looks good. Looks like a player. And, and it for, is a, is a reason why for the purposes of this podcast, we're not going to talk about, uh, at least in terms of the draft, we're not going to talk about bigs because, because in the old no. defense, he did nail that pick. I mean, it wasn't Donovan Mitchell, but Collins is going to be very good. Uh, I, I, I think that that is that's definitely uh true in in in, in my opinion but uh let's talk about some uh some news first before we get to the the draft pod because uh, this stuff is gonna affect the draft um potentially uh yeah, the Kawhi Leonard news is is a pretty big deal um, big time big time uh so you know, it, and it, it'll be really interesting to see what the Spurs do, whether they go for a high draft pick or whether they, you know, try and get, you know, take that Lakers package um, with Lonzo Ball, you know, and, and, and all those young guys, you know, Ball, Ingram. Uh, but I, I, I think we both agree that Portland is set on big guys. And yep. I don't, you know, at least with Collins, um, and they have two big guys who are free agents uh, that are, you know, going to be, uh, you know, they're, they were important players for the Blazers this year, uh, Nurkic and Ed Davis. And I think it's, I think they may have to choose between them. Totally. Like, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it... I mean, obviously we're, we're, we're nudging up right against the luxury tax already. So, I mean, there's definitely some decisions to be made. The thing that, that really throws a wrench thing with Davis too, is obviously that James guy, he's a locker room guy, the players love him. And it's kind of um, one of those guys you keep around kind of a la Udonis Haslam or one of those guys who brings good minutes, but almost 
brings more of an impact on the team, just being in, being around the team. So see what happens. I mean, anything could happen, especially with Nurkic, if he gets some crazy offer as a restricted free agent. I think we saw with the Alan Crabb thing, even though you'd like to have him, you might have to let him walk. So yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see, see what kind of decisions we have to make once uh, the market kind of sets the price. Yeah, no, that's going to be really interesting. I think that's, you know, Portland may be able to not have to choose. You know, they might be able to keep both those guys just because of the economics right now in the league are such that it's it's going to be hard, I think, for Nurkic to get a major deal. I just don't – I don't really see that. Um, yeah, I don't see it. The, the... – the market and just like the appetite for, for big men in the league. Right. I mean, we're kind of moving away right. to like one, one big man, four out. I mean, Nurkic doesn't bring a ton other than the, his offensive game kind of took a dip last year. So he, does, he doesn't really provide much scoring outside the paint. So I think that's one thing that's going to help us a lot this year is there's not going to be a huge market for, um, you know, 2005 type big men. Right. So, yeah, no. Uh, and, and Nurk was great on defense this year, but I think, it's also, I think we've seen in the NBA, you know, you got to get everybody on the floor has to be a threat to, to really score. And Nurkic just wasn't good enough at scoring. And I think it also hurts that he doesn't have any type of jumper, really. I mean, he had a mid-range a little bit this year, but it, I, I wasn't ever like a big fan of it when he took it. Um, he, th- he thinks there's a jumper. If you ask Nurk, he would, he would tell you that he's uh, uh, probably a pretty good shooter. So he has the confidence, but... Yeah, yet to really display it consistently. And, I mean, you saw in the playoffs against the Pelicans, he couldn't even stay on the floor a lot of times with, um, you know, these more modern big men like Anthony Davis where he can't really defend them on the perimeter. And um, that's why, like you said, the Collins pick, I think that actually is turning out pretty well. I think he'll he'll defend well there. But, yeah, I mean, we can't depend on, on Nurk. And it's almost like a, a play-by-matchup type thing with him at a certain degree, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's good in certain matchups. Like, I think, you know, ideally – you'd like to have him, you'd like to keep them, those guys. But, you know, I think one of the interesting things, I think the, the whole LeBron thing uh, obviously is, is a big deal. And I think that could have an impact on it. It's going to have an impact on every team. Because if he leaves, Cleveland becomes a fire sale at that point. Like they are, yep. this year, they're going to punt and just get, try and get a high draft pick try and get young guys and rebuild all the way. And they're going to cut payroll and they're going to want to get rid of Kevin Love and, and all these and George Hill and, and and all these guys. And if Portland can get into the mix for a guy like Kevin Love, who can help them get baskets. I mean, that would be, see, that's an, that's another angle here that I think is, is something worth considering. And another reason why Portland probably does, because Portland may have to give up, you know, uh, you know, one of their wings anyway. So not only are they, or you know, it could be a Turner, maybe they, maybe it's Harkless. I don't know, but uh, you know, they're going to need wings. So I think for, I think we've kind of nailed. If they're going to keep the pick, um, yeah, they're probably going to need to add some some other type of player on the wing. Oh, hold on, let me just do... I think we're good. Okay. 740. Okay. Uh, three, two, one. Okay, so uh, after that, that quick beep. Um, so I, I think if they keep... The, I, I think that they could definitely get Kevin Love without CJ. you got to think about... 
you know, how many teams like Kevin Love is really good. I don't know though how many teams really are going to give up a lot for Kevin Love. Like yeah. he 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 was really good in the regular season. I think had an overall disappointing playoffs. And his defense is actually not wasn't the problem. He just couldn't make anything in the playoffs offensively. And he is limited as a defender. But I think again Portland's defense was like improved and I don't think his defense is really the, the biggest issue. I think, you know, Cleveland's bad defense was mostly because there was just bad effort all across the board. Um mm-hmm. And they didn't really and, – and LeBron, like, couldn't really try because he needed to do so much offensively. And I, I I think it would add something, but I don't know how many teams uh, would are honestly going to be giving up, like, a ton of attractive assets. Like, I don't think another team is putting anywhere near all-star talent on the table for Kevin Love. When Cleveland yeah. is trying to cut payroll, when you know they're trying to tank, basically, like – they're going to – like, if LeBron leaves, like, they're going to rebuild. And they're not going to keep Kevin Love. They're not going to build around him. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that that would be huge if we could get a guy like Kevin Love. I Personally, I don't know if there's a way we could – unless you brought in a third team or something that we could get him without CJ. I just don't know if we have – the assets on our team. I mean, if you of, get, if you, know, you, I, mean, it, I mean, obviously this would, this would undermine, but what if you gave them the first for this year? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'm definitely, I'm definitely in the camp of, you know, let's, let's try and make the most of Dame's prime while we're at it. Oh, she's kind of preached this five-year rebuild and potential, 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 which I think lends well to a guy that can hang on to his job longer. And that might be why he does that sometimes. But I think, I mean, he, he mentioned in the, Exit interviews this year that it's time to get players who can make a difference in the playoffs. So I would yeah. certainly be open to giving up the pick if it, if we got a difference maker. Um, no, so, and I th- so we'll I see. Think, and yeah, so yeah, continue. like you said, there there's a lot of a lot of teams that aren't going to give up a ton for for Kevin Love. So I mean, if, if the market's suppressed and, and we could come in and, and and steal him or get creative with the third team, I would certainly be be down for that. Yeah, like I I, I just think that like I think I I, I don't think that he's going to I mean. Even and also, it's not even I. You know, this isn't just us talking. I think Windhorse said it around the trade deadline. Like Portland would not do uh, Kevin Love and eight for CJ. Like they they just won't do that. And so like, if that's a starting point for the for the Blazers, like then they're not going to give CJ up for Kevin Love. Like they're just not. No, because like, that's not. Yeah, you 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 would have to get the eight pick at that point. It's lateral, or maybe even. Well, no, that, that's you know, no, but that's but, what Win, that's what Windhorse was saying though is that even if you got the eighth pick, Portland still wouldn't do it. Really interesting. Yeah, because I think, and I think this is this is where I'm at with it. Is like, okay, I think LeBron being the exception, you really need like, th- at least three star caliber players to win at a high level. And yep. Port- Portland has two guys. So, like, I don't get the... This is my argument to not trade in CJ. You have two guys that are stars. If you get another one that's three, maybe your team isn't balanced or whatever, but, like, you'd have three offensively, you know, all-star caliber guys. 
And that's good. Guys that you could give give the ball to and say, go get a bucket. Yes. Right? So yes. That's, yes. that's that's what we almost had with the Paul George trade last year. There's rumored that we offered, what, all three first-round picks. And yeah, uh, Pritchard, and, obviously, with his history here, turned it down. But yeah, I yeah, mean, that, no, no. imagine him plugging in instead of Harkless. Oh, my God. Totally yeah, that, that would be a completely different team. And, and Paul George doesn't really need the ball. Um, yep. I, I think that Lakers team is going to be filthy. Uh, so, if, so, so this leads me to a, uh, our next question, a hotly contested debate on Blazers' edge and around the uh, Blazer following. Are you pro-CJ, trading CJ? It sounds like you're not. If we can uh, if we can get a, a, a near all-star player, are you down for it or are you against trading CJ? I'm, it's just it's all about context. It's got to be about you know I I don't have uh, you know one blanket answer. I'm not in the camp of just get rid of him just to shuffle the deck. Like I don't I because I don't think that that gets the Blazers anywhere different. You know I don't yeah. think it gets them past the first round to just get rid of CJ and get another guy that's just that's maybe CJ's level but just plays a different position. Like I just don't. Like if you the only to... the only thing I the only caveat I will give to that that I think just just thinking a little bit outside of just like the the one year realm is if we could shift it to somewhere a younger player who maybe has a little bit of untapped potential and also can offset some of the contractual obligations because obviously with, we're paying what like sixty million dollars a year almost right. yeah uh, in a couple of years for our backcourt so you know you start talking about a guy like Brandon Ingram or somebody like that where you could trade him to a team that could absorb some salary. And we get a, a younger guy in a rookie contract. That could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean that would. I mean, I, yeah. I, okay, that is actually a good idea. I like that. Brandon Ingram is a guy that I really like, um, and I think he's going to be great. Uh, I was fortunate to see him uh, in L.A. for a game against the Sixers, and I think I've said this before on the podcast. But he's like he he just. He was the only guy in the Lakers that night that was like going like he's like ready to go at Embiid and Simmons and and those guys like he, yeah I think he's on that level like I think he will be on that level soon like the kid can score he can fill it up and he's got the length that you, you like on the perimeter so that would be an interesting one especially you mentioned the the Paul George LeBron rumors to the Lakers Kawhi's been rumored out there if, if they form some sort of you know uh, new super team that could be a time where. I mean, we see we saw this with Andrew Wiggins, right? Where LeBron came in and was like, "Okay, get him out of here. I need players who can who can play now." So maybe you see like a Brandon Ingram and Lou Waldang or something to, to um, match salaries for CJ and some fillers on the side. That that could be uh, an appealing move, you know. So see what happens. It's going to be a crazy, a crazy summer, that's for sure. With free agency, Kawhi demanding trades. So who knows? Yeah, no, anything could happen at this point. Well, it's like I mean, Kawhi demanding a trade. LeBron is a free agent. And all this stuff is going to be really crazy. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be right back. And we're back uh, for the the draft talk, the prospect talk um, for uh, this upcoming draft. If Portland ends up keeping the 24th pick in the NBA draft, uh, Chad made a nice little uh, cheat sheet for us. Uh, so... He outlined the team needs as secondary playmakers, size on the perimeter, and salary relief. Can they use the pick to unload a big contract? We kind of talked about that third question. Um, and so here are some suggestions uh, from Chad. I'll, I'll let you start it off, Chad, uh, with, with your uh, you know preferred guys, some of, the, some of the guys that you're looking at. 
Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, I mean, obviously, you, you kind of outline the needs. First of all, the salary league has been brought up. That's not my kind of mo this year. I think we got to get players who can um, who can impact the the team. And once we get to the playoffs, I think that we kind of just got to write out these these contracts that Oshi uh, 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 got us in. We'll we'll let those expire or, or get get creative later. So. The other needs, obviously, playmaking, I think, is huge. That comes back to the Donovan Mitchell thing. Like, if we had a third guy, I think that would be such a big help to this team because you saw what happened in the playoffs, right, with uh, the, the Pelicans trapping Dame, trapping CJ every time they got the ball. And when they trap on those guys, the defense collapsed. There's nobody else you can playmake. I mean, uh, Harkless had a career year from three-point line. Aminu's three has improved ever since he's been on the Trailblazers. But nobody can really – create or break down a defense outside of our, our top two guys. So I think that's something that this team badly needs. Um, so looking at scores, I think I texted you a while back when we started looking at uh, looking at guys, and I was like, hey, there's someone that's popping out to me on tape. Kyrie Thomas, the shooting guard out of, out of Creighton, um, I think is would be a perfect fit on this team. He doesn't have like the super high uh, ceiling of, of potentially a little bit older, uh, but the guy is literally – prototypical 3 and D wing. He was a two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year, which I think would be much welcomed on this Blazer team with uh, a lot of uh, uh, gaps on the perimeter. And then he's a knockdown three-point shooter. I think he shot 41% uh, from three last year. So Kyrie Thomas. And then also the uh, wingspan. I know that's something we talked about last year and, and being able to guard multiple positions. That's something that popped out with Mitchell. So Kyrie has a, a pretty similar body, 6'3", with about a 6'11 wingspan. Uh, so little, little similarities to Donovan Mitchell. I don't want to put that much pressure on him because he's obviously not going to be able to, to create like, like Mitchell can, no, but no, no, no. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not calling but, it, but yeah. Yeah. No, no Donovan Mitchell in the, in the style of play, but he, uh, I, I think he could be a huge guy that could come off the bench and start that kind of three guard rotation that could take some pressure off Damon CJ, lock down the, the best perimeter, uh, player on the other team. So. I don't know. What's your thoughts on a, a three and D guy like that? Do you think we need a little more offense, or do you think his his shooting could supplant some of that? I mean, if he you know he can shoot, uh, you know that's big. Uh, he shot it well in college. That's always a good sign. Uh, and the wingspan thing, I think, is really good. And I, I th- he's interesting. I think it, it, it's. I would. He seems like a guy that can come in and play. And I think also too, um, you know. He, He's not like traditionally big. He's only six three, but the wingspan will help him guard up a position. And I think uh, having another guy, just another guy that could be a guard and and do a little bit with the ball, uh, is is huge. And I think that would be really good for this team. Uh, I, I've a lot of people. I've also been. Uh, I've seen some people on Twitter being high about Kyrie Thomas. So. Um, I think it would help. Yeah, get another guard. You know, give give Damon CJ a little bit of a break. You know, they they need someone else. And I think one of the themes here that I kind of want to touch on before we you know get on to the next prospect is I think they really need someone that can create their own shot, like you said, because even Houston, you know, people think of Chris Paul and James Harden, but Eric Gordon is was a huge reason why they almost won the Western Conference Finals. Yep. Because yep. he's that third guy when they lock in on Paul and Harden that can get loose. Like, it's just hard. You can't just shut down three guys. 
And so you, yeah. you know, I think I think you need another guard, another creator, a guy that can do stuff with the ball and play defense. I think I think that's huge. So I, I I'd be into that. Yeah, and I mean you got to have at least two ball handlers on the court at all times, right? So when uh, you saw how good the team was operating when uh, when Napier was was playing at the top of his game early in the year, and then when he trailed off, I mean you looked at the end of the bench and it was like, who do we go to? There's nobody else who can who can create. Uh, we tried the the, the Pat Connaughton. Everybody loves Patty Fastball, but um, I really would not would, would hate to see him getting serious minutes next year. We need to find somebody who can replace what he was bringing. So. Uh, somebody who could who could actually attack the basket and be a threat. I mean, another thing is when Damon and CJ turn the corner on the pick and roll and they're looking um, on who to dish it to. And like I said, Harkless and Aminu did as well as they could last year. But you saw defenses, even with Aminu shooting, you know, 37% from three, nobody's respecting his shot. No, so that's, yeah, yeah. And, and, and just the fact that they're not even guarding him, I mean, that, that brings more guys into the paint, makes it hard for Damon and CJ to finish. So, uh, you know, you, you have to have a player that the defense expects and that will at least bring out some of those, those defenders so they can't just camp in the paint. And so, because uh, Aminu, you know, he'll go six for nine one game from three, and the next game he goes 0 for eight. So uh, I think we need someone who's a, a little bit more dependable out there and, and the defense respects. So Yeah, I mean, it, listen, I know that a lot of people didn't like Alan Crabb, um, but that was one thing that he brought, and that's why he played in, like, the fourth quarter all the time for the Blazers is because teams respected his shot teams teams mm-hmm. gave it you know they cared when he was open because they like had to guard it and so it's I, I I yeah you can't discount you know the percentages aren't everything and and and, and it's the the respect you know maybe if Aminu has another good year maybe they start respecting it but uh because he's he hasn't really shot well like two seasons in a row yet for Portland. Um, but anyway, um, the next guy that you have on your list, uh, which I thought for a minute might have been, I thought Portland may have been the team that gave him a guarantee, but now it sounds like it was Chicago, but Chandler, yep. Hut- Chandler Hutchinson. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's the guy that's been rumored to, to have a, a promise from a team. I think somewhere from like 20 to 26, a lot of people are saying it's, it's probably Chicago who's in front of us. So, may not be there on the board when we pick, but I think he's a guy that everyone is, is kind of salivating over as a perimeter guy who can fill it up. He averaged 20 points a game last year. He's got good length, 6'7", uh, uh, athletic, can put the ball on the floor. So I think he, he'd be a, a great great player available that we could pull a trigger on that could you know take some of those minutes away from Evan Turner, uh, whose outside shot has not been dependable either. So he'd be an interesting one to look at. Also, you can't discount the, the Damian connection, obviously, um, Damien's uh, uh, coach from Weber State, Phil Beckner, who he works out with a lot of times in the summers, is now uh, been credited for a lot of Hutchinson's kind of rise. Uh, he's over at Boise State now, so Hutchinson and, and Dame have worked out in the past, and, and I think he's advocated for for him internally. So that could be a good one. But like I said, the the promise is out there, and he might not be on the board. But I certainly would not be mad about a Chandler Hutchinson pick from Portland. Yeah. Um, then we got um, Jerome. Well, you you already made you made all the great points there about Damian and and Phil Beckner, and I think that that's worth noting. But uh, as as we mentioned, you know the, the reporting has been that it's not uh, he's probably not going to be there. Uh, so Jerome yep. Robinson, uh, tell me about Jerome Robinson from Boston College. 
So Jerome Robinson, he's, he's another one to look at. The one thing I will say is there's a ton of wings, so it's a good time to need a wing, obviously, with uh, kind of where we're at in the draft. You're not going to find someone who's going to fill every need we have from, from uh, dynamic playmaking, three-point shooting defense. If we're finding that type of player, he's probably going in the top ten. There's a yeah. reason these guys are lower. They all, they all have their flaws, right? But the good news is there's a huge pool of these wings. I mean, we can, we can go through these for days, but Jerome Robinson, another one that sticks out. He's been rumored to be in our range. Uh, he's from Boston College. He's got good size, 6'5", six, 6'8", six, wingspan. He can put the ball on the floor. I think he averaged 20 points a game, too, for BC this year. Was their leading scorer. Um, and, and he can shoot the ball. So um, another guy that, that, could, that could fill it up and be a threat from the outside. The only thing with him, a little bit lighter on the defense. He's not going to bring you anything near what a, a Kyrie Thomas brings you from uh, intensity and impact and whatnot. So if we're just looking from pure scoring, uh, and shooting, he's got a, he's got a, a picturesque jump shot. So I think Jerome Robinson would be a good one to to bring some scoring boost off the bench if we we're looking for that. Um, Gary Trent Jr. Uh, out of Duke. Um, so you know, obviously has has a pedigree. You know, uh, that that's you know that's interesting to me. Um, but. Uh, what do you think about his game and, and what he could maybe bring to this Blazers team? Gary Trent's another one that, you know, he's, he's fluctuated kind of from like anywhere from as high as 20 all the way down to the mid second round. So he could, he could be another guy that the Blazers had their eye on. He came in and worked out for the Blazers. He interviewed well. Um, his dad obviously has a history with the Blazers. So there's that kind of connection. Um, being a Duke guy, he's very high basketball IQ, heady player. Um, and played on a good team. So he's kind of around the, the winning pedigree. I think he was a third leading scorer behind Begley and Grayson Allen this year. So um, he can score, knock down, knock down shots. Uh, he doesn't bring the really elite, elite athleticism that some of these other guys do. So um, that's something that's lacking a bit if you're, if you're looking for that. But I saw one comparison I liked. That, uh, somebody said uh, some Wesley Matthews in his game, who obviously was the Ironman was uh, – uh, a big player for Portland for several years. So yeah, Gary Trent Jr. Could be a good one. What do you think? You think we need more athleticism from, uh, from you know, spot or? We, we, here's the thing. Blazers have plenty of athleticism on the wing. Harkless, Aminu, yeah. uh, you know, Connaughton. Yeah. There's a lot of athleticism. What there's, I don't think there's enough of is there's not enough skill. And I think, I yeah. think they I think they could use some more skill on the perimeter. I mean, like look at a guy like Joe Ingles, you know, like like, and I think you know if you it, once you get into an NBA conditioning program like Gary Trent Jr., you know, may not be the most athletic guy right now when he's at Duke in college, but if he gets to the NBA, uh, gets in the conditioning program, you know, start goes on a diet, uh, and all this stuff, you know, guys can change their bodies after they get drafted, and I think sometimes that that's something that people overlook. When it comes to guys that may not like, you know, I I don't think anybody thought, you know, not to be an extreme here, but you know, nobody thought that Draymond Green was going to be that athletic. You know, he changed his body yeah. after he, and I I don't think we can discount that with any of these guys because all these guys are in college. You know, they're on college budgets, eating college food. Like, yeah, it, no, that's you, that's a. That's a very underrated point. I, I completely agree. And the other thing on that point, of, of, especially in the Blazers' culture, Stotts has shown the ability to improve players' jump shots. Harkless and Emilio, obviously, shooting career years since they came here. So 
um, I think you, you definitely can't underestimate the impact that our coaching staff can have to kind of develop some of these guys. That was one thing I was kind of worried about with Hutchinson is he, he only shot like 35% from three and in college, you think that's going to take a little bit of a dip coming to the NBA, but when you have, if he's got everything else, like I said, every player is going to have some holes. So if, if, if they're a little lighter on the three point shooting side, but they've got good mechanics and they're still young, I think that's yeah. something that, that stops and team have proven to be able to add to a player's repertoire. Yeah. Well, and I, but I don't think, you know, you, I don't think you can coach things like a good basketball IQ. You know, I don't think you can no. coach, I don't think you can coach smarts into a player. And I think, you know, the, the things that you kind of said about Gary Trent Jr., you know, he's also, you know, the son of a player, so he knows what yeah. it's about. Like, and, and, and I, I, I do kind of like his makeup a little bit if Portland goes in that direction. Will they? I don't know. But, uh, you know, another guy that I didn't even mention and it just smacked me right in the face was C.J. McCollum. He was not yeah. as – like, he, he, his athleticism has improved over the course of his career. Like he, that he has gotten more athletic. He jumps higher. He he's faster. Like, and so like, you know, you have to keep that in mind with guys sometimes that, 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 that can happen. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like with, with Gary Trent jr. But, um, the next guy who actually, um, uh, had Jeremy Wu on, uh, and he talked a little bit about Josh Okoji. Um, but he, is just a kind of a freak athletically. Yeah. This is another guy I've been uh, super high on. Like I said, the, the Kyrie Thomas jumped out at me and then uh, a Kogi is another one that I was uh, definitely interested. In. I mean, you just, you turn on the tape when he jumps out of you immediately, like literally with the type of game he has super high motor. The guy's built like a brick wall kind of reminds me of uh, uh semi Ojale a little bit coming out last year. He's about 215 pounds. Six uh, three, a little undersized for a two guard, but another massive wingspan, seven foot wingspan. Uh, led the combine in vertical. I think he had a forty two inch max vert. So I mean, this guy can jump out of the gym. Crazy motor. Um, he can create a little bit off the dribble. Um, a guy, if you start looking at like a guy like Kyrie Thomas, he's a little bit more of a set shooter. He's not going to you know drive past the guy and pull it from mid range. Where a Kobe's got that kind of aspect to his game, and then he rebounds well for a guard. Kind of had a little bit of Bradley Beal in him that I that I saw there. So um, he's an interesting guy. I mean, his highlight tapes were, were pretty awesome. He comes and gets like these weak side blocks, and he gets up and pushes the break. And um, uh, he's got a crazy motor. At times, that can be a little bit of a, a drawback. Sometimes you see some aminu in him when he gets a little bit out of control when he when he has that motor and just kind of goes wild. Um, and then the other thing that, that jumped out at me, obviously, he led his team in scoring, but. Georgia Tech, not the the greatest year last year, so sometimes you got to take that with a bit of a, a grain of salt. He um, was leading the squad, but uh, there there was the best team. So th- there was a, but there was like an NCAA investigation on that team this year. So that's another thing that like kind of like I don't think you can really hold that against him. Like the fact True. that their that their like program was like being investigated. So it's like I kind I kind of like I kind of like that he had to do a lot. You know, I, I like that uh, as like a – it's kind of like a, one of the theories that I think Colin Cowherd used to have about quarterbacks in the mid, mid-majors that they have to do more because their offensive lines aren't as good or whatever. But like this is not – yeah, yeah. But it's like – but like it, it, it does matter that this guy has had to carry a big load, knows what it's like at that level. And like, you know, I, 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 and I think he, he – that that's a good thing for him to do to know how to do is like and that's something that 
you know, you need a guy that's comfortable, like, just, all right, spacing the court, clock's running down, and we need a bucket, and Dame and CJ are getting face guarded, and someone's got to do something. And the fact that he has that experience, I think, is huge. Yeah, I, no, I think it's a, a, I think a, it's a ma- major thing in his favor. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic point because it, it leads to the, the fact of being able to play within some chaos too, right? Of all these other kind of things, external uh, distractions going on around him, and he was able to still uh, zero in and play well. Obviously, coming to the NBA, there's a multitude of distractions. So, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he can he can play with chaos, and I think you hit the nail on the head as as simple as someone you can dump the ball to and get a bucket. I think that's the type of player we need to be looking for at 24. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. And I think, I think a Kogi would be a, a really nice, a lot of these guys, I think would be really, really nice picks. And then, uh, this is the guy that I took, um, in the locked on mock draft, Jacob Evans. Um, you know, we had a lot of good picks in this draft. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of NBA podcasters doing a draft. So everyone was trying to make very heady picks. Um, but you know, I liked what Evans had, what Evans brings to the table. Uh, I like that he's got a nice wingspan at about six six nine. He's a little bit bigger than some of the other guards than uh, Akoji or Kyrie Thomas, and I think that the you know one of the things that you that you said, Chad, was that you know size on the wing is a major it, it is major. You know, whether it's length or size, they need to be a little bit sturdier you know, around Damon CJ. And I think yeah, Evan, I think, and I, I, and I think Evans can bring that, um, for, for the Blazers. I think he could bring that and he shot the ball pretty well. And, you know, he did some stuff offensively that shows you that, Hey, you know, he can, he can be a secondary playmaker, which is what the Blazers really need. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that of all these guys, Evans, um, might not be the best, anything necessarily across the board from all of them, but I think he maybe checks the most boxes. So I think Evans would be a really interesting pick here. Like you said, he's a, he's a really good defender. He's a really smart defender. Uh, he plays off the ball well, which is something I know we talked about last year with Mo Harkless um, getting lost in, on, on help defense sometimes. That never happens with Evans. He's a high IQ guy. He plays really well through screens too, which is a, another thing in today's NBA. You have to be able to defend the pick and roll. That's pretty much you know 90% of the offense teams are going to. And, and he plays really well through that. And then, obviously, he can he can shoot the three ball. He led his team in scoring. He only had 13 points a game this year, so it wasn't anything that jumps off the board at you. But um, kind of the, the opposite of the uh, a Kogi thing with Georgia Tech, Evans is leading a very good Cincinnati team. They finished 31-5 and five last year. So uh, And he, he was able to lead the team in scoring and, and did a lot of the intangibles that his team relied on him for. So um, I think that's a guy that the Blazers should certainly have their eye on. Uh, another thing that's interesting is I saw, uh, heard the Warriors were in love with him after a workout. And so I thought that was interesting too. I mean, sometimes you, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You just got to uh, be able to, to follow other, you know, smart basketball minds. And I think the Warriors have nailed a ton of their draft picks from Draymond and Jordan Bell, even some of these end of bench guys they have. So if the Warriors are, are high on them, I think that's a great sign. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think Evans can be a good pick. What's, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, no, I think – and I think, you know, I I know it, it it is a little bit of a cliche and there are a lot of guys that come from so-so teams that really make an impact. But I do think that knowing how to win really matters. And I, I, I really think that having that experience 
of being on a very good team in Cincinnati is a good thing. And I think the fact that he was like, he learned how to lead on a good team and knows how to win. And I think, you know, those are things that you can't take for granted. I don't think, you know, because it's not a lot of guys, you know, just know how to do that. And, you know, having a lot of intangibles to bring to the table and being a smart player, again, you cannot coach uh, IQ. You know, you can't, or the basketball IQ, you just can't coach how to read the game, how to see the game and react in real time. And the fact that Evans, you know, has a good reputation for doing all those little things is, uh, you know, really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. He, he really brings a lot to the lot to the table. And then uh, on the defensive side, like I said, I mean, he's someone who you can you can throw out there on uh, on a on a top score on the other team and, and feel comfortable. Uh, when you're, he obviously didn't have the accolades like a guy like Kyrie Thomas had. But when you look a little bit deeper and like the advanced stats there, uh, that jumped out to me. Evans had 3.1 defensive win shares last year, which is impressive. Kyrie Thomas had 1.6. So um, you start seeing how they they impact the game. Um, maybe in the things that don't show up in the box score. I know that's a cliche, but Evans, uh, he really brings it. So, I mean, I mean that, yeah, he's I mean, on the board. Like, that's why we have advanced it, stats, you know? Like, that's why, yeah. That's why, yeah. It, it's appealing. So, uh, he's a guy, he's a guy certainly that I would um, have my eye on at 24. I know there's some teams, uh, Utah's pretty high on him, uh, Minnesota's high on him, who are a little few picks ahead of us. So, uh, we'll see if he's on the board, but. Uh, a lot of a lot of wings out there, and then we haven't even touched on guys like um, Anthony Simmons. I saw was getting some getting some love. He's a little bit undersized uh, point guard who who sat out a year, played at IMG last year. Uh, who can who can really bring it scoring wise? I think he's gonna take a few years to develop. He needs a little bit of uh, a seasoning, so he's not necessarily a guy we can throw in there. So that kind of goes away from what Olshi was saying about guys who can contribute right away. But he's another one. Uh, to keep an eye on uh, Melvin Frazier is another guy. Uh, so there's the guy from France, that point guard at Kobo. So interesting, interesting uh, uh, kind of end of first round. Any Anybody else that we didn't list or mention yet that uh, you've got your eye on or you think we could be looking towards? No, no. I, I, I feel uh, good about my pick in the locked on uh, mock draft. And I, I, you know, I think we, we hit a lot of guys and, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, one of the things about Olshay that he does, I think, pride himself on, uh, is 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 being having a really deep knowledge of the draft. And you know, while we did name all, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, I, I he also is one that does. You know, he he like the Swanigan pick, I think, blew us all away. Like, I don't think yeah. that any, I don't, nobody saw that coming, and. I, I, I don't think, you know, I think it just like, I just want to say, like, I mean, obviously, like, hedging super hard here on all this. Like, this is very knowledgeable. I think we definitely hit, like, very clear team needs. Um, and also, you know, these are the guys that are going to be available. It's not like, you know, like you said, it's not, but uh, you know, the, the, they all have flaws. But, uh, and, and that's also if they keep the pick. But uh, I think this is a really fun, informative uh, you know, draft uh, talk here and, and, and analysis here of these guys, these these guys that I think, you know, Portland could have. Um, but I'm excited, dude. Draft week, it's going to be here before we know it on Thursday. Uh, so, Chad, dude, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, it, it was a blast. The annual draft summit uh, was a blast, dude. Thanks, thanks for making time. 
Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure being on. So we'll see what, see what Portland does. I mean, shoot, for all we know, uh, we can just scrap this plan and, and O'Shea will pick a, a big man or something and uh, go a different direction. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's out of his league. But yeah, uh, but, yeah. Who who knows? Who knows, man? Maybe he'll be like, ah, oh, well, maybe we're not going to bring back. Maybe maybe we need to buy, draft a big man and 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 bring back Ed Davis and Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah. Who knows? The, know, the, yeah. the one thing you could say is this is this is O'Shea's forte, but uh, he definitely keeps his guesses. So we'll see. But once again, thanks again, man. I appreciate you having me on. Everyone, keep your eye out for, for the guys you mentioned, Kyrie Thomas, Jacob Evans, uh, some of those other ones. Those are, jo- those Josh, are Gundy Josh, and I are. Yeah. Josh Akogi. Josh Akogi. Yeah. Yep. And, and, so. I, and, and I have a little soft spot for Gary Trent Jr. Uh, so, I do too. Yeah, I, I think these guys are all really interesting guys. And guys that Portland should really consider. I'm not that high on Chandler Hutchison, um, but I I do think that it's an interesting pick if he's there because he he was you know good scorer last year in college. But uh, this was awesome, and we're gonna have some more pods this week because we're doing a lot of draft stuff. So um, yeah, keep it locked here on Locked On Blazers. So uh, until next time. Peace.